The short game is listener-supported on Patreon. If you'd like to support the show and join us on our Discord, head to theshortgame.net or patreon.com slash theshortgame. Welcome back to The Short Game. This is a show about short video games, games that respect your time. I'm Reagan Kelly, and I'm joined this week by my full complement of cool co-hosts. Nate Heininger. Laura Nash. And the narrator, Shane Kelly. <laughs> and this week we are talking about Slay the Princess. Uh, a, I don't know exactly how to classify this game, uh, from the developer Black Tabby Games. Branching roleplayer visual novel thing yeah. horror game super high budget if comp game oh. <laughs> I, I saw something classify this as a um uh a uh, horror tragic comedy which i think mm. is a good uh, a, a good approach uh, so there's a lot to talk about in terms of the content of this game mm-hmm. it's 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 story it's character it's it's setup etc um but maybe it would make sense for us to start just a little bit talking about like the actual structure of this thing, which isn't Absolutely. really clear before you dive into it. it it's, sure. it's a bit of a visual novel, but it's not the kind of visual novel I'm used to mm-hmm. mostly not playing, but only occasionally. It's uh, a visual novel in the way Doki Doki Literature Club is a dating sim. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's... Um, structurally it's very different from any of that sort of game that you've ever played mm-hmm. um mainly because it is among the most massively branching narrative games that i've ever played uh, the the choice structure here is a like many <laughs> has has many 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 leaves uh and very very few branches it's a it's a huge fork yeah. What mm. I think is really cool about this is that like it is, you know, it is a choice based interactive fiction type game. This is a game where we're playing through a story and and making, you know, usually you have three to five choices on screen mm-hmm. in between different story beats. Um, but it really goes like shallow and wide rather than like shallow is the wrong word, but I'm trying to get across that like you don't have a ton of story content between beginning and end but what you have Mm -hmm. is a a huge number of choices that branch so wide that you have an enormous number of potential outcomes for what is a relatively short story we'll talk about the story that it sets up but it's literally like you know like a like a three beat story but you're playing through it many times in many many different ways which is i think a really cool approach uh it's not the mm-hmm. only game i've i've seen like this when i first heard this described to me um i was like excited for this to be a little bit like a stanley parable kind of thing right like stanley mm-hmm. parable has a little bit of the same kind of thing where it's like yeah. it's not a long story but it has enormous numbers of potential branches this doesn't quite land there but it is it's not that far off uh, and it's a very I, I thought it's a lot like Yeah, I thought of Stanley Parable a lot while playing this game, and not just because of a delightful British narrator, but also because of the choices and the and the sort of flow state of the game. And That's the exactly why I was cynicism. I, I think one of the uh, articles I keep coming back to in interactive fiction for my 
day job as a designer is there's an article called Standard Patterns in Choice-Based Games by Sam Ashwell from 2015, and in which uh, he names all of these different shapes of games. And this one's like, he calls one Time Cave, which you enter and everything branches and branches and branches and branches. He's like, no one does Time Cave anymore because it's too laborious. And I'm like, well, <laughs> this one did. It's yeah. a Time Cave with a loop. Like, it's... Um, is that named after the Choose Your Own Adventure book, The Cave of it Time? It is named oh, after yeah. Choose Your Own Adventure, it. The Time Caves. The idea that like, even with multiple playthroughs, you're going to miss some content like really short playthroughs. The difference is this one is a time cave that loops. I can't even imagine trying to track the amount of choices available in this game. You know, a lot, a lot of games like this are like, oh, I made this choice. Um, I might go back and like play this mm-hmm. again and make a different choice. And I'll remember what I did and I'll and I'll try to like do everything like almost w- within the first like half hour of playing this game. I was like, well, that's out. There's no way I'll ever be able to track exactly what i did when and who so i can go and and try to do the opposite Uh, it's not that there's a like there's so many small choices but it's also compact i don't know it's it's wild how how dense this game is Uh, it it, i have seen games with this much branching before but they were not short games and this one still is (laughs) so i think that's what's remarkable is the depth of this game and also its commitment to seeing a lot of the branching yeah, um, which I'm, and we're all talking around it. I will say right off the bat, like this is a uh, narrative game with a lots of secrets, a lots of secrets. Yes, that is the that, mental yeah. state that this game has put me in. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there are the content warnings, thing. and there's also spoilers, so be warned. One thing I think is really interesting about this structure that um, we can also say here is that. Um, it is massively branching, but and looping. But even within a single branch, uh, the story itself kind of loops back. Mm-hmm. So um, you, even within a single traversal of the choice tree that is the structure of this game, um, there are little loops that you're already going through. There's kind of a three-chapter, three-act structure to each of those loops. Um, and so as you progress through all of these, the number of possible outcomes is something like 25 or 26 different possible endings to that overall structure. And you're likely going to see about four of them. <laughs> so mm-hmm. everyone is going to have a very different experience with this game. Um, and the other thing I'm very excited to talk about about this game is, you know, we've talked about this narrator that sounds a lot like the sort of thing you've seen from the Stanley parable. Um, the reason I really wanted to play this game and I've kind of uh, petitioned the the co-hosts to 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 come along on, with me on it is because that narrator narrator is Jonathan Sims uh, of the Magnus archives. Uh, mm-hmm. I don't know how many of you guys have listened to that. Um, not not exhaustively, but I, you, you recommended it and I've heard a few. It's it's pretty mm-hmm. good. Well, I kind of want to talk about that for just a little bit for a second. Um, I got into the Magnus Archives very late in its run. Uh, The Magnus Archives is a famous award-winning horror fiction podcast uh, that ran for like five seasons uh, right up until the uh, time that I was listening to it, which is when I would go for long nighttime walks during the pandemic when I had nothing to Mm. do in in the spooky, scary dark. Mm. Um, And... Um, 
I'm going to pitch the audience on it a little bit because I personally really enjoyed it. And I think this is a good time to listen to it because it's about to have a sequel series. Uh, the oh. whole Magnus archives concluded in 2001 and uh, they're about to start releasing the Magnus protocol, which is kind of a sequel series. Um, so the Magnus archives is a episodic horror fiction podcast, kind of akin to something like the twilight zone. Um, and it's focused on uh, the archives of the Magnus Institute, which is a um, kind of an organization uh, that researches the kind of mysterious and strange. And the head archivist is kind of the leading, the main narrator is Jonathan Sims, uh, who is like the kind of named the character after himself, did a great deal of the writing for the Magnus Archives. Um, and the thing that I really, really like about the podcast is it starts off as that sort of episodic horror and kind of eases you into it with a little bit of characterization. And I really love it when stories do this slowly, slowly grows the kind of backstory to the characters and the other side characters that are also part of the Magnus Institute uh, until um, that really becomes the the main narrative and there are really clever really inventive horror stories all throughout that long run uh so i i i totally highly recommend it i'm very excited for the magnus protocol uh but a huge part of the appeal is the the creepy spooky voice of jonathan <laughs> sims um he does have he, is, voice. he he has said he kind of regrets uh, naming the character after himself because in, by the end of the story that character is not very much like him as a real person uh, mm -hmm. but one way it is very much like him is his spooky scary voice um, and here he is the narrator so you start off um, I, I don't have it right in front of me but the this initial scene the emo in the first moment of the game is um, you're on a pathway in the woods and, and the narrator is kind of telling you that at the end of this pathway, there's a cabin and inside of that cabin, there is a princess and you must slay her or it will be you the end of the world. Her. You gotta you slay got, the princess. You gotta slay. Well, actually you don't gotta slay her because well, that's well, the narrator. The narrator. Is. He says you gotta slay her, uh, but you do have some choices there. And I, I think this is one of the first moments where it really starts um, calling out the choices. I really like that it calls out these specific choices things that are choices and things that aren't are very clearly labeled if it's not an actual choice it's always labeled explore and it took me a little while to, to realize that um things that advance the story or are a, are a choice uh are not labeled that way uh so i don't know where it's very hard for me to talk about this without spoiling anything where do we where do we want to go in terms of our pre-spoiler break well, I think first I wanted to just talk a little bit about it, sort of broad strokes. Sure. I love the setup because it's this cool inversion of the trope of like mm -hmm. saving the princess. You know, mm -hmm. the, the the idea of like slaying a princess, like here's the knife, go down in the mm -hmm. basement, slay this prisoner who is a, you know, beautiful woman with unnaturally large anime style eyes <laughs> who just looks sad, who's mm -hmm. chained to she a wall, wearing a party dress like go killer boy go kill um, her and you don't even get to know boy. why it's yeah. uh 
all, only all because some of those initial explore options are really probing as anyone would hopefully do when you've been tasked with going to slay a princess because you've seemingly been uh you've seemingly awoken in this situation uh to to slay this princess you've been told you're the only one who can do it you're the chosen one you need to slay the pris- the princess and even questions like why uh what if I don't want to do it? Couldn't you have found someone else to do it? Like there's a lot of what I appreciate was like very logical questions as your initial choices. And you uh, can even enter into some exasperated philosophical debates. Um, mm-hmm. One, probably maybe my third or fourth choice in the explore very, very early in game, not a spoiler. The narrator says causality doesn't matter here because the end result is the same no matter what led us up to this point. If mm-hmm. the princess leaves the cabin, the world will end. There is no changing that. And that's the, the starkness of this game at the beginning. Yeah. yeah. Stark, <laughs> and, I mean, there's also the sort of philosophical like, are, are great, are great points for Johnny Sims. Yes. <laughs> and the choices yes. here go to lots of different places, but that initial choice is also just one of these great, like, you know, like trolley problem type of deals, mm-hmm. right? Where it's the, the, the moral and ethical quandary of like, you've been told that if you don't kill this one human being, then all other human beings will die. And, you know, trying to puzzle out the ethics of that, even just in the very first moment of the game, Mm -hmm. is part of the fun and part of the pitch here. It's like, you know, okay, I know that this is a game I'm going into to, like, make difficult moral choices. Um, And it being a horror game, later on, you're going to have more complicated and more difficult moral choices, Mm -hmm. um, complicated by just some really freaky shit. So, like... I like the setup of this a lot. It immediately drew me in. I also, Shane talked a lot about the great, uh, you know, narration from the, uh, the narrator. The other main voice in the game is, uh, Nicole Goodnight, who is also a horror podcast narrator Mm. from a podcast called the no sleep podcast, which I have not listened to. I have listened to the Magnus archives, but she's also extremely well cast here because as we'll get into the princess is not exactly just one thing. The princess has a lot of different sides to her and mm. a lot of kind of different voices. And, um, and maybe should be killed. I don't yeah, know. Well, you know, in, <laughs> very possibly. Um, in fact, both of the both of the narrators here are pulling a lot of weight in terms of different yes. voiced characters. Mm-hmm. Um Jonathan Sims is not just the narrator. He is an entire chorus of voices in your head that have a lot of different tones to them. And the same is true for the, for the princess. So they're, Mm -hmm. they're both put in a lot of work, uh, different characterizations. It's pretty incredible. Um, the, the, the premise also made me think a little bit of the film cabin in the woods, not just because there's a a cabin in the woods in this one there. It Mm -hmm. also has some big overlap there. And, uh, I, I, you know, I, I, I'm a broken record at this point, but I have to call out uh, Disco Elysium. It reminded me of that as well with the multiple different personalities and the multiple different voice actors or one voice actor handling multiple different personalities. Incredible. And this game does it so well. Uh, the voice acting like normally I don't like a lot of visual novels and things like that. They'll spend a lot of money on doing full voice acting and even when the performance is good a lot of times i end up feeling like 
mm-hmm. like this was not the best use of your resources like i'm i'm clicking forward because i can read faster than, than they can talk and i just want to get to the next thing that's just me this game was quite the opposite I, like i enjoyed the 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 voice mm-hmm. acting so much that i would just sit and listen to it because it really so had a lot of depth and I yeah. enjoyed controlling the pace of this game because uh, at times, um, given the, I, I don't think it's a spoiler to say there's going to be some repetitive dialogue, um, intentionally so. And I could read a little faster than the voiceover and know if I wanted to hear all of that being spoken. Yeah. And and I could make that choice intentionally. Um, this is one of the uh, smoothest systems for just moving forward. It wasn't like the voice actor paused and went, eh, and get, I've had some problems with things where they did not mm-hmm. intend like you could tell the game was fighting me moving ahead. This one was just like, cool, moving on. And then I was able to yeah. let for the more dramatic scenes, the scenes that I wanted to luxuriate in, mm-hmm. I could let them do the full power of it. Um, it's very often polished. I let the, um, I think uh, some of these are paragraphs and some of these are dramatic speeches and you can tell the difference reading the text. And I was always yeah. really excited to be like, yes, this one I will slow down and listen to the whole yes. paragraph. <laughs> Excellent. Yeah. Uh, uh, and that's, that felt really good. I appreciated that choice being placed on me mm-hmm. and not on a bug or some weirdness of the UI. That's uh, the kind of um, the choice that you have really acts kind of like a personality test. You know, mm-hmm. you, you have a lot of control over this experience and uh that means once we get past the spoiler break i'm gonna judge all of you for what choices you made uh, (laughs) in this game but uh, you know we've talked a lot about the audio and uh a lot about the writing and the branching element of it we we should also i I really want to celebrate the illustration for this game by abby howard um who is a um cartoonist uh, who also did their prior game called uh, Scarlet, Scarlet Hollow. Hollow yeah. yeah. Um, but this game has, for, for as short as it is, it, it has something like 3,000 pencil sketch illustrations. Um, the The illustrations in here, I think the style that they chose for this, being very sketchy when it wants to be, being very... Um, uh, beautiful or grotesque when it wants to be um, really kind of f- fits well uh, with the story. And uh, just, I, it is really fun to see. Uh, uh, there are, there are some insane things to see in this game. <laughs> um, there are some truly wild moments and um, yeah, they're beautifully rendered. I will yeah. say I was nervous about the art coming in because the trailers and things, this is not mm-hmm. a style that I normally mm-hmm. go for. Uh, it looked intentionally so kind of like the the drawings, the really artistic goth kid would do in the notebooks. Yes. Like that's the style. <laughs> uh, and I was nervous because in the trailers and things, I didn't know how it would work in a full game. And I was worried it was going to affect like immersion and it was just going to be kind of flat. That was not a problem once I started playing it. I think there's, you know, they do three colors, which is kind of nice. Like it's not just black and white and gray. They do a little bit of like brown in the mix just to make it a little mm-hmm. more interesting. They do a lot of uh, really cool setting. Um, they do the thing that um, if you ever played the ROM emulator, f- that was the the dripping bloody hand. <laughs> Um, oh, nesticle. Nesticle, yeah. Yes. Uh, they do the, your cursor is what? a little 
gross hand that can hold a knife or not. And I was like, mm-hmm. that's a that's just an extra. Nesticle. You don't know yeah. about nesticle? It was the no. it was like the first like really perform oh God, you've just set me off. You just It was it. a it was a <laughs> emulator that the cursor when you were in the UI was a bloody yeah. dripping hand yeah, for it was some an NES uh, emulator uh, written by a, a dev with a, a very okay. uh you know obvious sense of 90s humor mm-hmm. um but it was it was very notable because it was one of the the first truly yeah. performed it could run any yeah reagan is like, like a reagan is yeah, but, but the point of it being of <laughs> the, the cursor being an actual hand is in this game um anyway it, it was things like yeah. that that yeah. I, I was really nervous going in i won't lie i was like i I was like, I feel like this might be an unpleasant, like intentionally so. It's a horror game, but I was like, I might just kind of bounce off the art style. Yeah, and I didn't. The first uh, several yeah. settings put me at ease. The princess was in the surroundings more than the trailer would suggest. Intentionally so. Again, I think the trailer did what it was supposed to do. And if you're bouncing off the trailer mm-hmm. like I did, maybe watch a couple of minutes of someone playing it and see if you're also going to be allergic. Because I thought I was going to get. <laughs> I thought I was going to be allergic to the art style, honestly. And then I was like, nope, this works really well with the story. I'm happy. I agree. Yeah. And I think mm-hmm. it works better in mo- – it's not that it's highly animated, but like it feels like it worked better to me in motion than it did mm-hmm. in screenshots. For yeah. one thing, they've given – they've done a little bit of that sort of like boil effect that you get with like certain mm-hmm. types of animation where they just got a little bit of dynamism to the – even a still image on screen has a little bit of sort of visual vibration to it to like keep it breathing. But also – um, you know, they'll frequently have the princess do something and it's not mm-hmm. like a fully animated thing. It's not like, you know, ultra high frame rate animation or anything, but like, there'll be like, you know, one or two frames of animation between her, her poses in order to kind of give it a little bit of motion. And sometimes that's great because sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes it's not just the princess is moving from, you know, one position to another. Sometimes she's coming at you. Right. Yeah. And there's a. Uh, oh, was the There's also a, a, a lovely, uh, subtle kind of parallax effect that they apply as you kind of yeah. move your cursor. So, yeah. you know, it seems at first glance like it might be kind of a, a like temporary art style. Oh, very flat, um, right? But it doesn't yeah, feel that way. It's not. It's not at all. Uh, but before we get too deep into this, I really want to know more about Nesticle's influence <laughs> on the emulation scene. <laughs> Um, why they name it Nesticle? Is it? Just I feel a like joke? I summoned a demon. A is it just funny? <laughs> is it just being funny, or is there like? Am I... All right, I'm not speaking about this anymore. Uh, let's continue on. Uh, I, I want to call it too while we're kind of talking about the 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 visuals. I think it's worthwhile to call it the sound as well. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, we we talked about this, the the voice acting. That's the primary thing you're hearing, but. There is um, some good scoring, and then just the the foley work of this game is really good. It's a very wet game, often, <laughs> um, which is you know not necessarily what anyone wants, but it's a horror game, mm-hmm. and uh, it's something it's I'm always looking for. Yeah, yeah. So um, lot, lots favorite of favorite movie, and, Waterworld. Yeah, lops <laughs> and glops, and uh, you know squishes, and 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 just it's all over the place, and. They did good with it. So I, I don't think there's much more we could say without talking a little. I wouldn't say this is quite our spoiler break yet, but we're we're going to if you're very spoiler reverse, we are about to start talking mm-hmm. a little bit about the story of the game and mm-hmm. maybe some of the loops that you can go on in this a little bit of the structure stuff, too. So um, so 
Uh, Shane sort of alluded to this already, but like something that I thought was really cool about this is the way that it's structured. You know, you play through one, you know, one task. I don't know what you want to call these chapter, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're you're uh, here. You are. You're on the path. Go down the path up to the 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 um the, the cabin, or don't. You can turn around and leave. In the cabin, you have the choice to to pick up the dagger, which is your weapon against the princess, or not. Go down into the, uh, look, the uh, basement. Look at a mirror sometimes. Yeah, oh, very oh, yeah. often there's a mirror yeah. there that you can try to look into before it vanishes. This mm-hmm. game really makes you wonder about the nature of the player character, partly mm-hmm. because you can't seem to look in a mirror, and partly because I don't know how long did it take you guys to notice your hands? As soon as I picked up the knife, I was like, what the mm-hmm. hell is wrong what with What the hell is wrong hands? with yeah. your hands? Yeah. He's got you have bird these, like, hands. <laughs> dinosaur hands. They've got claws. They've got what looked to me like like scales on them. Like, Very weird yeah. hands. Some sort of weird hand from like a 1997 Nintendo emulator or something like that. <laughs> but your first yeah. voice is hero. Um, right. A, a thing yeah. that I really appreciated in this game is uh, early on when you're hearing um, – Again, slight spoilers, but it, when you're hearing the voice of of who you are as a character, you hear the hero um, as like one of the first identities you get. And it's really great that you hear the hero voice as you are picking up a blade and seeing this weird fucked up mm-hmm. hand. Yeah, <laughs> The game uses every avenue to tell the story, right? Whether yes. it's mm-hmm. the name of the character is something, their voice is something, their visuals are something. Mm-hmm. It just... Everything is compelling. It, it, I, I, I was like, of that, the environment. This, uh, yeah, the envi- it, immediately, I was like, this game is incredibly well crafted. Speaking and, of and using never- every avenue, th- there's the trick that I always fall for when video games do it that this game did. I think <laughs> it's only on, I think it's probably on only one, one path. I wonder how many of you might have seen it where uh, it did the thing where. You know, I was getting through the story and there was a point where it's like, well, you can choose to do something or just like wait around for a long time, mm-hmm. um, leave and come back later is basically the uh, basically the story beat without spoiling it. And uh, I chose that and the game I was like, oh, shit, it crashed. The game like yeah. completely closed. And then I reopened it and the uh, the the princess was like. You were gone a long time, uh, but let's get back to it. <laughs> yeah, I got that one through Shane, and I, I also, I was like, "Damn it!" Like uh, you would have think it by now, Undertale, yes, okay, and every game since that wants to be like that does it, but for whatever reason, this one, it tricked me too. <laughs> That's awesome. I didn't get that. Yeah. Um. So talking through a little more of the structure there. So obviously, first first chapter, you go down into the basement, you talk to the princess, and you have choices that include: Do I just walk up and stab her? Do I have a chat with her first, and then decide whether I'm going to stab mm-hmm. her? You have different options depending on whether you did or did not bring this the the knife with you, whether you sat the knife on the ground before you talked to her or carry it over to her. Lots mm-hmm. and lots of potential branches right there in that very first room, right? Yeah, and you have some very even before like the the picking up or not of the knife and then surprisingly important choice uh which of a, a number of different greetings you use like do you say hey i'm here to kill you or do you say uh hi or do you say nothing as you walk uh, into the room what i love too is there, there's the same the uh there's this there's the same sentence but one says lie and what so there's lie mm-hmm. I'm here to save you. And then there's, I'm here to save you. Mm-hmm. And 
they're the exact same thing, but obviously, you know, the implication is, is completely different. And I thought that was so clever. Yeah. So to help illustrate how many branches we're talking and in, in a non-spoiler way, I'm looking at the Wikipedia for uh, the, it's like the princess wiki. Um, and there's a section where you can go to the first chapter and see the map. And they had to separate the diagram into whether or not you pick up the knife. And then there's still one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, like there are still 11 options coming out and they had to change the map to be two parts because it got too unwieldy on the fandom yep. Wikipedia. Mm-hmm. And that's for the first loop. The, yes. So one. chapter that's the one, first loop, it. chapter one. So if you're just to illustrate how much we're talking about branching, um, all of those little micro decisions, if you pick up the knife, you end up with one of six endings. If you don't, you end up with one of five endings. And it's just, it's it's wild that that's chapter And that's one. not endings. That's like potential no, no. branches to be on. Ending that, that is chapter. that is the section <laughs> ending. Right. Yeah, exactly. yeah, that's, yeah. That is the, that is the seed for the next <laughs> chapter. Right. And, and there are 11 seeds for chapter two. Mm-hmm. So. And so it's so enormously branching that like there are whole chunks of this game that you will never experience. But it does sort of like you, you that first chapter is it, you play through that first chapter and then you end up in one of a variety of selected chapter twos. And then depending on your choices in that chapter two, you end up in one of a variety of third chapters um, branching pretty far. And then um, by the end of that, you end up looping back to the beginning again. And there's a bit of a sort of uh, meta story that we won't get into before spoiler break, where you start putting some of that stuff in context. But one of the things that I really appreciated about this aspect of the game, the fact that it is having you, you know, make the same set of choices and loop through the same selection of choices in some cases multiple times, is that the game tells you narratively, but also it's not lying, that it won't let you do the same thing twice. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really appreciated that because like, you know, I want to try like a slight variation on something that happened in chapter one, right? Like mm-hmm. I want to, like I did this, it turned out really interesting, but I want to try that a little bit differently. But my, my, you know, my fear is I'm going to end up wasting my time because maybe there isn't a branch there, or maybe there isn't like, you know, maybe I accidentally go down the same branch again and I just have wasted, you know, 10 minutes or 15 minutes doing the same thing again. And it doesn't let you. Not only can you not repeat choices, but anything that will lead to the same destination is also right. disabled. Mm-hmm. So this it's, is it's cave of time, control. but you rip out the pages you read. Yes. <laughs> yes, that's a good way of putting it. So it's. I think it's really um, like it. It does respect your time in that way. Um, that's it. Like you won't see it all in a single set of playthroughs. The game does have a, a sort of fixed number of loops before you hit credits, and that is the end of your game. Um, it does not, as far as I could tell, have a way to like just keep looping and keep closing out, you know, keep ripping out pages till there's you're no loop hero. <laughs> no, no, indeed. Um, which I kind of would have liked, actually. Like by the time I hit the end, I was like, you know, I still would like to go back and we do want, some of that. We want arcade mode. You just go forever. Just yeah. Not that not that I couldn't go back and do it again, but like yeah. those paths that I'd already done would be opened up again, I believe. Mm-hmm. And that, you know, I'd kind of appreciated the fact that they were like those doors were closing behind me. Um, but even so, like really appreciated that feature of the game. Yeah. And it's 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 both it, just I, a good design thing and also narratively supported. Like what a significant quality of life improvement mm-hmm. to a choice based game, right? Mm-hmm. Especially loop uh, one that you loop through. Like, I, I mean, I, I think it would be a fundamentally different experience if you could accidentally 
kind of do exactly what you've already done over you know, again or get the same like that's kind of disappointing right in a game where it's choice based and you kind of like end up at the same spot even though your choices were slightly different the fact that they force that away from you just makes it feel way more um like you're in control and, and it's a unique experience end to end uh that's i think that's super smart i wouldn't be surprised if we see more games like this try to implement something like that because that's that's brilliant one of the things that I think might be worth talking about a little bit that I think I can cover without spoilers spoiling too much, because in a sense, it's kind of on the poster of the game, is that something that I kind of wasn't expecting, it was a little bit of a surprise, is that, yes, you're looping through this, you know, making a ton of different choices, and your choices affect what the, you know, the, the reactions that the princess has to you. But it your branching also branches out into different versions of the princess. So the princess, you know, appears to you in in her initial form as a well, like Laura said, like a like a like a high school notebook drawing of a princess, right? Like a pretty standard, you know, cute Edgy. princess. Yeah. The eyes are a little too big. Dress slipping sure. down from mm-hmm. her shoulders. Yeah. yeah. Um, this entire but, dra- this entire thing is playing kind of in the world of tropes, and she yes. is a, a trope blown up. Right. Yeah. Absolutely. She is not, she doesn't have a name. She is the princess. Um, if you press her, she will say, you can, you can also call me your highness or your majesty. majesty. And that's yeah. all she'll give you. Um, but like there are different sort of personas that she takes on in different branches of the story. Um, and you get different, uh, different like achievements or whatever. Like, th- so there's not quite as many of those as there are endings, but there's still like different branches that you can end up on. Um, that surprised me a little bit because I think when I first conceptualize this game i was thinking of it as like one really widely branching conversation tree and it is kind of but like there are different realities within this game the game has a sort of a uh, like a feel of exploring multiple worlds um it has sort of an explicit story of that in a way but like it has this this element of like depending on your actions as you loop through this this story um the princess changes too uh and that's Interesting. I I liked it in that, like, I think it's like it gives more variety to her potential to the potential outcomes. In one way, I was a little disappointed by that because I I felt like it was a little bit of a like a uh, it wasn't quite what I was not not that it was not quite what I was I don't know how to don't quite how to know how to put this. Maybe there was just a little bit of disappointment in like wow, like it it felt so enormously branching. Um, but then I kind of realized, oh well, it, you're really just sort of branching into these different sub branches i don't know how to put this did, did, did mm-hmm. this did anybody feel any weirdness well it's about all this it all has to, to be preordained like yeah it's all predictive right mm-hmm. if if you're ending in these completely elaborate designed alternate options right yeah mm-hmm. I, I think what i guess i could say about it is like i was thinking going into it thinking like oh this is gonna be an interesting sort of cat and mouse of trying to figure out the motivations of the princess and i think what what slightly annoyed me about it when i realized that there were these sort of like different divergent versions of the princess is that they have different motivations and yeah. so it's it's kind of it's not about like figuring out like a perfect way through or like a perfect mm-hmm. way to like you know to like uh, you know trying to figure out what the princess really wants or something like that you can figure out what the princess really wants pretty quickly it's just that there's different versions of her that want different things well mm-hmm. um, i really appreciated that because i th- 
the choices that I was making was changing mm-hmm. the prince. Like that, like, yeah. I, I felt it was very uh, deterministic in that I was shaping the princess into who she needed to be to counter me in what I was doing. So yeah. I felt even though some motivations and things were unreliable, I I've always, I could trace, it, it did not seem random. Like if I did this and we ended this way, a the version of the princess and the world that arose at first may have been really jarring, but I kind of usually found, oh, this is why they gave this to me next. Mm-hmm. Like I, I probably was just inventing it, but trying well, to find the- a pattern where there was, but, but I could see my own flow through it. And so yeah. it felt more. I think the writing is what is like, cause I felt the same way, Laura Reagan. I do think I understand what you're saying. Yeah. But I think I, I feel a little bit more on, on Laura's side because I think the writing, all it took for me was just a little bit of the, of the princess sort of addressing the situation at hand and what led to uh, like her current state, you know, and she almost always, there'd be some reference to, you know, something that had happened in the previous loop and some, and, and it just, and yeah, probably filling in the, the, you know, in between the lines, so to speak. But like, you know, it, if the loop before ended in a particularly dramatic way, it felt not uncommon for the, for the next loop to be more blown up than the one before. And that felt like a connective tissue. Um, yeah, enough I, yeah. for me to feel compelled to keep going forward. There's there's both elements in there. So your your impulse to like learn more about the princess and like figure out the situation is satisfied by the chapter one, two, and three versions of looping in this, where you know you meet the princess, it goes away, you know, it goes some kind of way, and then you go back in. When you go back in for chapter two and chapter three. And in some cases, chapter four, um, you are you are it, examining and re-interacting with the same version of the princess kind of a, in a different way, right? Yeah. And mm-hmm. so you do have that experience. You do then kind of get to um, the final moment because what the narrator says to you from the very beginning is true. Mm-hmm. If the princess gets out of the cabin, the world is going to end. And that's going to happen a lot. Um, so, you know, you, (laughs) you get to that final element of the story and then it does loop. Um, and we're kind of holding this back for purposes of spoilers, but there is kind of a satisfying framing device frame story outside of that loop that, um, does kind of give you a way to look at these different paths through the game as, part of an overall bigger narrative and giving you different um, visions of different facets of the same character, even though, you know, one of them is like, uh, you know, I won't get into the specifics because I don't want to spoil anything, but they're very different, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they, they have, they have narrative like the fury, the stranger, the beast, the nightmare. Very, you know, like yeah. it doesn't tell you much, but like they are, they are, they're different, creepy princesses. You know, mm-hmm. not all of them are even all that creepy. Some mm-hmm. of them are, some of them are some, quite nice. Yeah. So Lots I think sounds. we can't get much farther without doing a spoiler break. 
Um, I want to talk about some of the specific, does anybody have anything that we want to say before we go to spoilers? And I think we probably have time for some what's making us happy. So maybe we, maybe we do that too. Um, yeah, it would be nice after this game. Um, I'll just say, uh, <laughs> I, I played this on steam deck and mm-hmm. it was good. It was functional. I love playing games on that thing. It works for, for me. Um, but I think I'd probably, if I were starting over, I would play it on, uh, on a, on a, on like a desktop or laptop or something. There was just a little bit of clunkiness. I don't know. Did anyone else play it on steam deck? I did. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, I, I saw some uh-huh. things that the de- the dev said that they were like trying to patch in better, um, yeah. gamepad controls, which I think it needs. Um, yeah. there were definitely some weird wonkiness things yeah. like nothing, you know, nothing game breaking. I, I learned what the little, you know, what the problems were and it was pretty easy to adjust, but there's just enough clunkiness that if you're, if you're listening to this and you're like, I'm going to go get this game, and you could and you could have easy access to multi, either. I would probably play it on laptop or, or, or yeah. you know, play it. On I did switch it's mostly because you're you're choosing options from a menu. That's the main mm-hmm. interaction. And occasionally, like it was hard to tell what was like highlighted or I would yeah. try to highlight something and it would end up highlighting the UI elements instead of the. Yeah, like, I, I clicked on history like yeah. six times a before I times, figured yeah. out how to like not do you know just a little bit enough where I, I felt the that would be worthwhile to bring it up on the podcast but it, yeah. I'm glad that the developers are working on it too because if it wasn't for all that like this would be a perfect uh, Steam Deck mm-hmm. or any sort of mobile type of game like this seems yeah. to be doing successful uh, doing well I'm I think it would work really well like on iPad or something mm-hmm. or, or Switch I'm hoping that they expand it I played on Steam Deck as well, but I also I ended up defaulting to using the touchscreen a lot. I did too. That was part of my like, yeah, yeah I don't want to tap or click the wrong thing mm-hmm. again. Yeah, you and don't it, get it the well parallax well. effects or the cool cursor effects mm-hmm. um, playing That's it in that way. True. Yeah. So I, I think the way to play this for for listeners is going to be on your computer. Yeah, mm-hmm. that's probably right. Um, yeah, and uh, I would definitely recommend folks check this out. It is on uh, Steam for uh, seventeen ninety nine, uh, and I don't think it's come to any other platforms yet. Um, so, but I, I think it probably will. Uh, so, if you're if you're you know waiting on this to hit something like the the Switch, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up there, uh, mm-hmm. but probably not ultra near. That said, it's it is a uh, Mac and Windows and Steam OS compatible, so you can play this on your Mac laptop if that's what you've got on hand. Um, I would definitely recommend folks check this out. It's yeah. uh, it's you know it's probably somewhere on my game of the year list. I was year. feeling the same way, Reagan. I'm like, I think the. This feels like a full-throated short game recommendation, right? Like, I, yeah. Some of our last few like full-length games. We that keep we've doing done, mixed recs, and so now I think I we're know, all yes, like, yeah. yes. Finally, like <laughs> uh-huh. I, I've, I've, I've felt bad because our show is all about positivity and and supporting great games, and we've done a few that we've had to have sort of. Uh-huh. Well, mixed, here we are, two yeah. great ones in a row: Cocoon yeah. and Slay the Princess. Yes, things. Yes, are, I things wasn't going on our way, but I played it and I loved it. And it's it great. Yeah, it's fantastic. So. <laughs> So it's it's good to it's good to get back in the swing of just playing great <laughs> games and and I don't generally like the horror genre just in general but uh, this this was great yeah totally so we will be talk coming back to talk a little bit more about Slay the Princess with some spoiler break content but before we do uh, let's do some what's making us happy this week just to bring a smile back to our haunted visages um, Laura. What's making you happy this week? 
well, I saw a lot of movies this weekend. Um, I had Friday off for Veterans Day, and um, I saw two movies in rep and uh, Killers of the Flower Moon. And I'm going to talk about one of the two movies I, I saw in rep. Yes, I'm talking about an old movie, but this one's 90 minutes, and it's <laughs> Laura, amazing. do I need to get a bell like I have for for Shane talking about uh, about magic cards? <laughs> I'm not that bad. This one's no, 90 not. minutes. This is the I'm not that bad. She- <laughs> Shane, you stay out of this. This is the section where we ask Laura to tell us about her interests, not yes. the other parts of the No, episode. Laura, please continue. <laughs> tell us about uh, an old movie that you enjoyed. So I have always suspected that I was going to adore the movie The Night of the Hunter. Uh, it's from 1955. Um, I've encountered it in a lot of ways. Like I love Guillermo del Toro and it's one of his favorite movies. Um, uh, it is a movie that my director, when I did Carousel was like, yeah, I was really influenced in the sector. I signed by night of the hunter. And I was like, okay, pretentious bastard. <laughs> like I don't need to watch this movie. <laughs> so people kept telling me to watch it. I suspected I'd like it. It, if you are, um, it is the movie where the love and hate knuckle tattoos came from that they do do the right thing that whole monologue about Mm. this is the right hand this is the left hand the right hand is love and the left hand is hate that's all from night of the hunter but it's the only thing i knew about the movie yeah but um the movie is about a um kind of con artist preacher man he's not just a con artist he straight up uh is a preacher who marries and murders widows Hmm. Like, and he's like talking to God cool. and he's like, cool. God, you got me. You're going to get me to another widow. Cool. Like we're, we're doing like, I'll raise yeah. money for the Lord and you're going to point me to another widow with a bunch of dollar bills and a sugar basket. And it's like driving a car down the street. It's the perfect crime. Yeah. So <laughs> he gets arrested no. for stealing a car, goes to prison and he, his cellmate is somebody who's just stolen $10,000 and is going to get hung and he won't tell anybody where the money is so what happens preacher goes gets out for good behavior goes to the family marries the widow um they say oh the kids are of course like oh the money was thrown in the river we're all good the guy knows everybody but the mother knows the money is not in the river so it becomes this chase where there's these two little kids who know where the money is this evil man a mother who is you know, completely buying it. And the whole town is like, you got to marry this preacher. He's the nicest man. You're, you're, and they, they kind of slut shame her too. They're like, you were way too much into sex with that old man. Like go, go marry like this preacher. He's going to sort you out and make you a good woman again. Um, and it becomes like a chase. It's beautiful. It's evocative. It's scary. It's funny. It's shot in a really like lovely fairy tale way where there's a section where the kids are in a boat and they're going down the river and you keep seeing like them shot through a fighter web and like a little frog there. It's all so dreamy. I've never seen a movie that I was like, all of these are iconic images and they feel like iconic images. And I've never seen any of them before except the the fists. So, and then it was 90 minutes and it was over and it ends on Christmas. So I was like, was this a Christmas movie? There you go. That's all you need. <laughs> Um, so it's got a little of everything, um, straight five-star movie. I was like, oh, I I don't think I've seen a movie that was so clearly going to be one of my favorite movies in a long time. So, and and also so easy to recommend, like 
something for everybody. Night of the Hunter is a good time. Don't watch it with your kids. Lots of kids in peril. Well, <laughs> no. Lots of knives. <laughs> but um, uh, if you liked this game, uh, this is not a horror movie, but people round it up to horror because they like it so much. It's definitely mm-hmm. scary. So cool. Night of the Hunter. Ring the bell. I watched an old movie. <laughs> there you go. I'll do mine real quick, and you can ring the bell for me too because I I bought a piece of technology. Um. <laughs> Ding, ding, ding. I have a um, uh, my long awaited pre-order for a framework laptop came in and this is a laptop that like um, so this is is a laptop that I mostly bought because I like the idea of it, um, but I'm really quite enjoying it as a as an actual thing, too. Um, So if you're not familiar, framework is a is a uh, a company that makes laptops and they have two models, uh, 13 and a 16 inch. And their whole deal is modularity and repairability. So you buy it, or at least the version of it that I bought literally comes as a kit. It's got a main board, it's got a bottom case, it's got a top case, and a uh, and a, like a screen bezel and stuff like RAM and stuff comes in the box as as like pieces. So it's all replaceable. For this is actually the second revision of it. So like you know, folks who bought a framework laptop a couple of years ago are now able to buy a new main board that is a new CPU and and have like a whole new laptop for just the cost of the board. Uh, it's very easy to work on. Uh, a lot of the pieces are held together with magnets. So if you want to take the laptop apart, you take out like six screws that are like fixed in place. They're not like going to drop out and get lost. And then the top case magnets off and and you've got access to the internals. It also has this kind of cool approach to ports where rather than having a fixed selection of ports, uh, it has these modules on the side that have a button to remove them. And you can, there's four of them and each of them has a port on it and you can reconfigure what ports your laptop has. So like I wanted two USB-C ports, a USB-A port and an SD card reader, but you could also have four USB-C ports or, you know, all USB-A or put a HDMI on there or an Ethernet or whatever you want. Um, So it's this incredibly modular design. uh, And it's also like really tinkering friendly. You can upgrade the RAM, you can upgrade the SSD, you, you can order it with or without an OS on it. So I've installed Linux, but also Windows and I, I'm just liking it. It's like I like I like what it sort of stands for, um, but it's also just like a nice ass little laptop. Uh, it's like a 13 inch, um, you know, got it got the version with the AMD processor, so it's not exactly like a a gaming beefy thing, but it's definitely up to snuff with most of the types of games that we play. Um, and um, it's a pretty cool little laptop. Yeah, so, I'm I'm looking at it now. I was expecting this to be one of those things where it's like. Yeah, you have to do all the work and you pay way more money. Um, <laughs> but it uh, it actually that's about the price of of a Apple. Yeah, that's know, not it, not true. It's it's a little more expensive <laughs> than like if you were buying the same specs on a like you know like a Dell or something. It's a little more expensive than that, but it feels nicer than any PC laptop I've ever yeah. owned. Mm-hmm. And you just, you Apple like losers. Apple Half, if you want to have all the ports, you have to go to the store and buy a $30 dongle. All <laughs> I have to do is unscrew eight screws <laughs> and buy a module off of their website. Bad. You can swap the modules with like one button from the bottom without taking anything apart. It's very, very easy to do. But <laughs> I like it's like I'm not saying this thing is for everybody. If you are like, for example, if you're like a diehard Mac user, like, you know, I have this 
and I also have a Mac laptop. Like this is like, it's not replacing that in my life, mm-hmm. but like if you, you know, if you like a tink, if you like to tinker with your computer and you want to buy a PC laptop, um, this is a little more expensive than a comparable machine, but theoretically it can have a longer life. And that means, you know, better repairability, better, like, you know, you're not going to throw most of the laptop immediately into the garbage if you need a, an upgrade, like, so theoretically it might be more environmentally friendly. I don't know. I, I, I think I like where it's moving. I, I hope this is a direction yeah. that more devices take like more repairability, you know, built for repairability, built for upgradability. Like yeah. I like that. hundred percent. I think we can probably all align with that. Wasn't there a cell phone company that was doing this too? Did you buy there one? Was, they never get, they never got yeah. it to market. I remember yeah. hearing about that, seeing some yeah. videos. I think it's a lot harder with cell phones. You know, yeah. size mm-hmm. is pretty crucial mm-hmm. with cell phones and even things like, you know, water and dust and stuff. Like if you have something that's modular, it's like going to be more of a problem. I I'm very sure that the framework is like less, I don't know, waterproof than a MacBook Pro, but like I'm not going to test that. <laughs> I, I spill the listeners' demand. This, this is one of the dumbest things that I've ever done, and also one of the luckiest things that I've ever been a part of. Like no joke, I knocked over a bottle of water, and it spilled across two laptops and my cell phone. Just boom! Like my entire oh. life, right? In, like and and you know, it wasn't like you know, 20 ounces of water, like chugging, you know, glugging out on a, but it was still like, there is, there's, there's, there's water across to my, both my computers and my phone. My phone I was less worried about, <laughs> but like oh, open laptops, um, you know? And I was like, well, I'm just, I'm, I'm done. I'm done with everything. Um, but told zero consequences for my action nice. so i continue marching forward making no adjustments um but it was uh it was dramatic well nate what is making apart from not <laughs> having to replace two laptops and a cell phone what is making you happy this week well you know i've been going back to new york city new york city hey, that's yeah. my city <laughs> i've been trying to visit laura and get myself a slice but turns out spider-man can't visit Laura Nash in in, in <laughs> New York City, but um, uh, yeah, in between uh, playing, Nate Slater, was actually uh, caught by Spider Man uh, when he tried <laughs> yeah, to get into yeah. the city. Um, in, in in between playing Slay the Princess, I have been picking up uh, Spider Man Two for PlayStation Five, the Spider Man for PS Four, and then the Miles Morales DLC are two of my favorite things. I've said. Many times on this podcast, that swinging is my favorite game mechanic, and nothing does it better. And his favorite weekend activity, hey, right, folks? Whoa, oh. zing. But yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, so you know, it's like the biggest game in the world right now. So it's not. I'm not breaking any news here, but uh, Spider-Man Two, it's great. Good video I, game. Yeah, it's great. I love it. Um, it you know, it, it is. It's really, I think most of the games that I've played on PS5 have either been like indie games that we're doing for the show or like re-releases from the late stages of the PS4. And this, I think, is the first game that I've played that is like really, at least from my understanding, like truly developed the entire time for PS5. And you can tell, um, you know, it's a it's an action game. It's fast paced. And there's just some really cool things that they do um, besides the fact that there's zero loading 
across anything ever. There's like this really slick, fast travel mechanic now that that really clearly takes advantage of the engine. Um, but there's like there's a really fun fight where you're uh, where you're you're chasing someone, and they have like a Doctor Strange style portal gun. And you are Spider-Man going at full Spider-Man speed, swinging and zipping around. And you're going through these portals and just like zip zapping around the entire world. And it really like for the first time with playing on the PS5, which I've had for a couple of years now, felt like, okay, this is playing like next generation video games, like high dollar, high uh, expenses, everything it's great um so i'm really really enjoying it uh no surprises uh i will say like i think some of the writing is a little whatever like the game really tries to be sweet a lot which is surprising i don't think like the last ones tried this as much i feel like the writers played like life is strange and they're like how can we get that vibe into this game there's a lot of like there's like literally a moment where you're 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 riding your bike through New York City. The game's telling you how great New York City is. It's hilarious. <laughs> the game really loves New York City. And like the shins, the song, like the the first big shin song that's like in Garden State and all that, you know, the like the one big song from the shins from like 2005 or whatever. New slang. Yeah. New slang. Thank you that's playing like gently in the background as you're riding your bike through New York city. And like, there's all these little things that sometimes it's really touching and really nice. And sometimes it's like, what am I even doing? Um, and then, and then finally, what has really stood out to me on this one is that Spider-Man is these games are basically like triple a Wario where like <laughs> it, it is, constantly just throwing mini games at you the the whole thing is just mini game after mini game it, you know it, it's all about like every little mission has some new thing where you're gonna have to like use your controller in a perfect little mechanic you know you have to squeeze the right trigger and then squeeze the left trigger and it's all the dynamic trigger stuff so the triggers are resistant and you know or you have to like solve this little micro puzzle and and it's just constant little quick time events, constant little puzzles, constant little mini games over and over and over. And it just made me think of WarioWare, which is fun, but also hilarious because you'll be like, I'm Spider-Man and now I have to stop and do this like little tile matching puzzle just in the middle of the city, in the middle of fighting crime. I have to tile match. I don't know. It's great. It's a fun game. I'm enjoying it. I recommend it. I'm looking forward to playing it when they port it to PC in two years. <laughs> yeah, it's I mean, it, it's really fun. And the main Spider-Man story is great. I love a Spider-Man. Who doesn't I love just a Spider-Man? I need you to screen share so I can be like, OK, go left, go right, go left. OK, is my house in the game? <laughs> like, yeah, I mean, it, it wasn't the last one. So yeah, it sure seems like it. Like, and, it and it's bigger now. Like they've added another uh, another one of the burrows like it. it it's a really impressive game. So um, it's it's just fun to kind of see what is now possible with the, with you know these sorts of consoles. Well, Shane, what is making you happy this week? Uh, I am I'm going to have to uh, recommend something that is uh, kind of basic. Uh, I'm going to be I'm going to be a little basic right now. Do it uh, because 
I really liked The Killer, uh, which you can see on Netflix. Ooh. Um, so I, I have always been a big fan of David Fincher uh, and his movies. Um, I think I think the first one that I watched back when I was a young man was Fight Club. Um, and I no longer uh, watch or really recommend Fight Club unless you... <laughs> Uh, saw it back in the day and and had that experience and yeah you kind of uh, have can... to have a, a certain context for it otherwise it's ooh I still yeah. respect the movie in ways I, I still I still might even say that I like it but like, I yeah. believe we yeah. watched yeah. that at a New Year's party all three of us together we we totally wow, did and, uh, and loved... where was I uh, I love St. Louis <laughs> <laughs> I loved Fight Club. not knowing you guys so yeah because we were much. teenagers in, <laughs> in, in in middle school <laughs> we were in middle school and. In the I, other uh, room, while the adults were drinking champagne, we were watching Fight Club. I had and thinking we were the cool ones. <laughs> I remember watching this in like middle school or early high school or whatever. And me and a buddy with the VHS try. We spent like a half an hour trying to pause the movie because we saw something pop up on screen, and we were like, "There's something going on in this." And we spent a half an hour trying to pause the VC VHS. And as soon as we finally nailed the pause, we deeply regretted nailing the pause because it is. <laughs> yeah. If you remember the plot of the movie, uh huh. Male yeah. frontal nudity. Mm -hmm. <laughs> they edited in frames of, of porn yeah. into the, to the movies and stuff. Yeah. So, um, yeah, fight club, uh, is, I mean, it's not an, un it's, it's a, it's a field day for criticism today, but it, it is a, sure. it is still a great movie and it's yeah. by one of our, you know, greatest directors. And in the time since then, well, actually in the time before then, because I, I actually have gone back and now most of his early movies, except for alien three are, uh, are fantastic. I love the game. I love seven mm -hmm. is amazing. Panic room. Um, Room the girl great. with the dragon tattoo, but some of my very favorite movies are his most recent ones. Like I absolutely loved gone girl. I absolutely loved mank, even though not maybe completely, uh, <laughs> mank is great. Uh, but the killer is just thrilling. The, the killer is, uh, it's a, uh, it's a, kind of a crime procedural if i can kind of say it that way it is a movie about a assassin who um uh just sort of is going about his his business and something kind of goes awry and and i won't spoil it but he has to kind of uh do a lot of cleaning up um and it stars michael fassbender who is fantastic he's never and not great I never not Michael great on Spender. screen. Never not great on screen. And you see that movie where he was a vampire. Uh, which one was that? I forget the title. Look it up though. He's great in it. He's like a Nazi vampire. <laughs> oh man. Okay, I got. I got to check this out. Well, the 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 plot of this movie is pretty straightforward. Um, it reminds me of like movies from the seventies. Like it's it's just Blood Creek, two thousand and nine American supernatural horror thriller film directed by Joel Schumacher. Uh, mm -hmm. Blood Creek, weird movie, worth checking out. Yeah, yeah, sure. <laughs> I, I that's on my list now. I'll have to get that. Uh, is that on Netflix? I don't know. I don't. Know. Uh, this one's on Netflix. Um, and th this is kind of a funny thing is the the relationship now between um, between. Uh, Fincher and Netflix because this movie went right to Netflix 
and so did Mank, his last mm-hmm. movie. And um, and the the flip side of that is like all of these high end Netflix productions look like they are uh, knockoffs of his visual style. They're like they're they're all like B grade David Fincher uh, cinematography. So uh, I'm I'm getting way off here. Um, this is a good time to to check out that movie. Just hit Netflix. They're advertising the hell out of it. Uh, He's an assassin, they, right? Yeah, it's I, I think if I didn't say uh, yes. So the story is he is an assassin and he is um, kind of first off, you're just sort of getting a view into his world while he carefully stakes out a long range uh, sniper hit and the hit goes wrong and he has to uh, deal with the aftermath of that uh, that splashes back on him. He's kind of burned he's uh kind of out in the cold and um you get to see a super competent hitman kind of uh run around the globe trying to clean up his his mess Mm. right and that's the story and it's great and his his outfits are great uh the locations are great the action scenes are great yeah recommend it cool sounds great i liked it more than mank i'll say that (laughs) What, you're not into the story of the making of Citizen Kane? I was Mank. super into that. I was super into it. Um, Mank was great. Um, but, uh, you know. But this it, was this, more up your yeah, alley. This is, Mank this is, sounds this like is it's the name of a movie that's in immortality. Yeah. Well, who doesn't want to watch a movie about an assassin? That's like classic, yeah. you know, great. Always, always. The movie's called The Killer. The and main I believe there's a is second. The Killer. <laughs> yeah, there is a second Assassin's movie called The Killer. Maybe it's The Killers. Like, there's another one coming out this year that's got a comedy bent to it. There's a second Assassin movie with almost Uh-oh. the same title. Assassin's so hot right now. You're yeah. thinking of The Killers from 1946. Uh, <laughs> uh, Ernest Hemingway's The Killers or the yeah. other one or the Stanley Kubrick one. <laughs> oh, dear. There's just a, Or the John Woo one from the 80s. Oh, no, the one from 1964. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, turns out The Killer, The Killers is not an original title. No, everybody. you're thinking of Brandon Flowers and Mr. Brightside. Uh from the killer. Yes, that's mm. the one. Mm-hmm. I just love a movie where the title uh can be formulated into the main actor is the, the killer. killer. <laughs> uh, Garfield. So, oh, oh my god, of, the Garfield trailer. The Garfield oh trailer. My god. <laughs> the Garfield I, that, trailer. What have okay. they done? <laughs> I don't know, it's okay. I I'm like I'm a big Garfield fan, which is a weird thing to say, but I love Garfield. Yeah, you are. I'm willing to give it a shot. I'm willing to give it a shot. It seems okay. Can, I I feel really bad for everyone who is a voice actor because like they're like working on their craft and they're like Jonathan Simsing it up and they're like oh well am I going to go in and what kind of what kind of take am I going to bring to this character and then and then you know, right behind you walking into the audition room is like Chris hey, Pratt it's me, I'm just going to do Chris, this in my voice <laughs> I'm Chris Pratt Garfield you love me he's not Mary. even doing a voice he, he just walks do in and he does the Chris Pratt voice <laughs> for the cat. Chris Pratt. I'm Chris Pratt Garfield. I hate Wait, it. Wait, can I, For can the I do record, a cat sidebar? Because I may have yes a Yes to a cat sidebar. <laughs> okay. What? Um, so a couple cat. of days, uh, I have started, uh, so I walk my son to school every day um, and, and home most days. And I we have started seeing this black cat crossing our path. Mm. 
a beautiful black cat. You know, yeah. Big yellow eyes, one teeny tiny um, white spot the size of a dime on one shoulder blade. You can't even see it at a distance. How Dude. did I see it? Well, um, <laughs> this cat was kind of wandered up to my back door uh, when it was raining the other day. And um, my wife fed the cat. Um, mm. And it's First my cat now, apparently. Jane, you're playing a dangerous game. One year <laughs> yes. ago, this one is year mine. ago, I had one cat. Uh-huh. And I now have tripled my cat inventory. We have three cats because of uh, feeding very friendly strays. Yes. It is actually the one year anniversary of our uh, of the day we snagged Marceline from the storm and brought her inside. And the possum you feed stays outside. I don't know yes. if this is a well, cat or a girl cat. cat. I can't tell. But we have fed the cat a grand over the course of the entire last week. We have fed the cat a grand total of two times. Mm-hmm. and it spent the it, we haven't fed it in uh, like a couple of days it spent the entire day today sitting at my back door meowing well, it doesn't know it is not aware of your uh you know desi- your 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 um patterns right mm-hmm. it just knows the one time there were two times in fact there were mm-hmm. there were tasty easy easy i'm easy. that's allergic. how animals are man i walked my dog past what a spot one time where he found um, a partially eaten chicken wing in a bush mm-hmm. and was able to get a bite of chicken wing. And for three years after that, we couldn't walk past that spot with him checking to make sure there wasn't more chicken in that bush. Uh, <laughs> my backyard is a damn menagerie because <laughs> Molly and, and me, I'm, I'm all in on it too. We just, you just throw all of our leftovers just in the backyard. I'm just in a city block. Yeah. <laughs> and we've got raccoons and possums and cats and hawks and like everything. Yeah. The reason I know about your menagerie is because I'm constantly seeing on Instagram, like, yeah. look at the animals eating yeah, food on a- my back porch. And I'm like, yeah. I live in New York. I'm like, get them out. <laughs> yeah. It's wild. It's like, we're all going to get rabies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, oh, I do got three cats say- now. I do want to say the actual title of that movie, which is also going to be a Netflix release, is Hitman. Hitman. Oh, that's from the. <laughs> is that from the game? Is that, that is. Uh, is no, it's um no. a Richard Linklater movie. Mm-hmm. As it's distinct Houston. from the killer. Totally yeah, as opposed different. to the. It's the other assassin movie. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we're going too long. We have to have some time for uh for we promised a what uh, a spoiler break. So. Uh, let me do a quick outro. We're going to go to spoiler break. Listeners, thank you so much for joining us on this episode of The Short Game. Uh, you can find our show on the internet at shortgame.fm, where you'll find links to all of the stuff. Uh, most notably, our uh, our Patreon page. The Patreon is how you can support the show. And uh, for just $3 a month, you can get instant access to uh, an early access feed of our episodes and uh, access to our Discord community, which is where we talk about the show, plan episodes. Uh, great resource for uh, that's where we get most of our suggestions. So we got a, a suggest a game channel in there. And uh, even if we don't do it, there's lots of great suggestions of games that you might play. Uh, it's great. from our community in there, which is a great resource. Uh, yeah. And we talk about all sorts of other stuff too. So join us there. Um, let's see. You can find me on the internet at Reagan, R-A-Y-G-A-N dot me. And that's got links to all of my various stuff, including my Mastodon profile and other socials that I'm on. Um, you can contact me there. Uh, Laura, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Mastodon at Laura J. Nash at bird.rodeo. And Nate, where can people find you? 
uh, at NateSTL on the various social media platforms. And Shane, where can people find you? On Mastodon at Shane at bird.rodeo or on the various social platforms at 8BitShane. And uh, here it is, your spoiler break. So, how about them freaks? <laughs> Bunch of weirdos. Well, some of them are pretty freaky. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, uh, I don't know how we want to go about this, but I thought I maybe we talk about some of the some of the different versions of the princess because you there are mm-hmm. like okay, let me see. I actually pulled up a uh, a guide here. There's a really good guide to all achievements on the uh, Steam community page that does a pretty good job of sort of organizing and laying out what all of the different actual possible endings are because there are there are some sort of general story achievements and then there is an achievement for every single ending and this gives you a little bit of like yeah. okay, three sentence description well, of how to get to that specific ending and there are here's the different routes the adversary route the beast route the damsel route the nightmare route the prisoner route the razor route the specter route the stranger route the tower route and the witch route. And each of those wow. represents a different version of there's the princess. More. There's um, the, there's the wild, the thorn. Uh, am I missing any? Or are those just, maybe those saw. are duplicated. I'm not sure. Um, yeah, but those are no, all that's okay. listed here on the achievements guide. Well, um, we didn't even mention in the main part of the episode, like we talked about the different versions of the princess, but we didn't even talk about the, the different versions of the hero that you carry along with you as you, uh, as you die or, or what have you like it, it, like I, you know, that felt too spoilery, but like it's a huge part of the game that we didn't even talk about. So like to me, I'm when you're thinking, when I'm thinking about this, this like spoiler discussion, it's like, what were your, what were the, the best princesses. And then also like, I just loved the different, like uh, the, the, the essence of your previous self that, that stuck with you as you, yes. you know, um, for, for me, um, you know, I, I, of course I think, I think you're locked into seeing four, uh, of yeah. the different princesses. Right. And, so. um, you know, the, the progression through it for me was really fantastic. I, I'm, I, the ones that I saw were all great, but the one that I ended with, um, I was super happy was the last one I hit, which was the razor. Um, mm, did anybody I else get that, get one, that one? Yeah. Ah, no. Okay. Uh, it worked really well for me as like a conclusion. Cause we, do we want to talk about this kind of meta story, uh, yeah. here a little bit mm, now? Now it's good. Um, so the the kind of truth of the situation um, as you get into it, so it, it's kind of revealed to you slowly as you go through the the the, the paths. Um, when you get to the end of one of these kind of three chapter runs, um, you know the you've been told by the narrator like you know she's going to lie and cheat and you can't really believe what she says and you know you may or you may not, but then you get to the end and you know, she has succeeded or you've killed her or whatever. And, uh, in pretty much every case, um, arms appear kind of, a a, a bouquet of arms appear and kind of <laughs> claw her into the void. And, um, so you the structure here is generally in chapter one, the cabin looks pretty normal. Um, 
you know, the basement looks pretty normal and, you know, it very, things aren't all that weird, right? In chapter two, based on the experience you had with the princess in chapter one, um, you, you know, you might have died. She might have died, whatever might have happened there. Um, You know, you're coming back, but you have with you the voice of a previous version of yourself. Um, And this is one of the many voices done by Jonathan Sims. And that version of you is influenced by the experience that you've had. So, you know, if you have a version in which you're crushed mercilessly, you might have a, a, a voice that, you know, feels like everything is for nothing or yeah, the you, broken. That was my first yeah. one. I got, mm-hmm. I got lit up by the princess on my first try. Like just, <laughs> just what, what happened? Um, I think that I tried to talk to her and then eventually decided like to try to kill her, but she just definitely like, it wasn't even close. And she just like swatted the, knife out of my hands and beat the <laughs> shit out of me till I yes. died. And yes. then that was that was the broken was the next time that I uh you know I came back. I had that guy with me. Um I did I did manage to kill her multiple times, which was mm-hmm. you know fun. But um but yeah the first time it just got my ass yep handed to me by this princess. It was uh it was great. <laughs> so it's it's kind of slowly revealed to you that the princess that you see and what her form is, is really influenced or created by um, what you see in her and the choices mm-hmm. that you make, um, you know, and uh, in se- the second chapter, that's kind of amplified. And in the third chapter, chapter, it's amplified further until, you know, in each of these runs, you're seeing this um, way over the top, grotesque, uh, version of the princess and not just the princess, like reality itself is warped mm-hmm. and reshaped. And, um, as you get through this, the, the rounds of the story between the overall bigger loops, um, you are, um, you know, you see the princess pulled out of reality by this kind of massive arms. Um, and then you are, in this space that it calls the long quiet. Um, and in fact, and I don't know if I want to, I guess I'll just, Hey, we're in spoiler territory, roll right into it. Um, the long quiet is in a way synonymous with you, uh, the main character, all of the voices that you hear, um, are you with the exception of the narrator who, um, I wasn't able, you know, you're, you're not able to get the full picture cause you can't get, there's a, there's a scenario where you can kind of interrogate the narrator a bit. Um, and, but you can only ask him like five questions. Yeah. There's a lot of possible questions, but you can only choose a few. Um, but the, the narrator has, and he, he identifies her as the shifting mound. So there's this, uh, kind of duality where maybe, you were once one entity that got split in two or whatever, but ultimately the narrator character in reality is like a wizard or something who has uh, created you to be a new God to destroy death. Right. And um, so at, meanwhile, you know, in, in this kind of nowheresville um, for most of the, you know, in between the, the chapters, um, you're conversing with this entity 
that uh, you know you it's her but represents kind of the true version of her and she doesn't really know who she is. I found this part really compelling because she's kind of asking you to bring her different versions yeah. of herself so that she can learn about herself. Um, and Which also gives you, it, it's a really clever mechanic where the story matches just like the gameplay. Mm -hmm. You know, it tells you very quickly like, oh, okay. So I have to go through and like make different choices to uncover different versions of the princess in order to like bring them to her. Right. And like mm -hmm. it, it, it sort of real. I, I just, I thought that was such a, a smooth way of like justifying this loop and, and making you feel not just compelled because you want to learn about, you know, you want to see all the game, but also compelled because, now the mechanic is to like do the loops and yeah. it, you know, and it, it also made me feel um, like more justified in doing the wacky selections. If that makes sense, mm -hmm. you know, like I think my first, my first run through, I'm like, okay, like I'm going to talk to, I'm not just going to kill this princess. I want to talk to her, you know? And then like, mm -hmm. after I learn, like, Oh, actually she wants me to like, ex I'm like, all right, next one, I'm going in full on trying to kill her. <laughs> no hold bar. Like, I'm just going to try to stab her without saying anything. Or like, now I'm going to try to free her and see what, you know, you just like, yeah, mm -hmm. it like narratively frees you to do whatever decision you want and feel like it's okay, even if yeah. it's horrible. You, you can ask that like alternate, the, the sort of like, I don't know, the the um, the shifting mound. You can ask her, so do you, which, you know, what version of you do you want me to bring next? And she's pretty much just like, you know, whatever you want. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And I like that. It, 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 it is really a, a good narrative, even though I think that like some of the sort of metaphysical aspect of it didn't 100% land for me, sure. the, the whole like, you know, mm -hmm. like duality of a, you know, God thing. Like the stakes felt a little yeah. weird to me. <laughs> but overall, I think it's a really good narrative grounding for getting you to try all the different stuff. Yeah. Um, and that, so in that it really works well. And you, you have to bring, I just looked it up because I was, I, we said four and I think it's actually five. You have to bring her five versions of, of the princess. Mm, okay. Um, I mean, when once you do that kicks off the end game and even then you have a, a number of different branching options. So, you know, you can decide whether you want to uh, like fight the you know, the you know, have combat with her, whether you want to like apparently you can uh, you can like uh, both decide to restart the loops and, you know, kind of continue the cycle in it, uh, forever. You can uh, reject your godhood and mm -hmm. like walk away as humans or something. There's quite a lot of different options in terms of the ending. Um, uh, and some of that seems to be affected by which versions of her you bring to yeah. her. So mm -hmm. I, I really like that. It doesn't just end with, you know, go through this and find five versions of the princess. It's, you know, th even that kind of does further branching. The reason that I said the razor was a really fun one for the last kind of round for me was Kind of, I had kind of got you. You, you kind of understand the frame story at that point, and it's like, oh well, this is really just kind of a game that I'm playing with this, um, uh, with this shifting mound, you know, 
creature goddess whatever and um so i'm like okay you know so in in that one you're kind of just kind of playing around you go down in the basement you know i think you get this one by like you stab the princess but then you're like well okay hang on let's not (laughs) and um (laughs) uh and then she pulls out like a hidden knife of her own and she like kills you and then from there on this is one of the longer ones i think this is one of the ones that has like an extra chapter in it where it's like you go down in the basement you're like i'm I'm not going to come over there because I know you have a knife. And she's like, no, I don't have a knife. Uh, I love that. <laughs> and, yeah. No, what are you talking it about? Was, it was that one was so funny and like it it's very bloody, uh, but it was so, <laughs> so funny gross. and silly. And um, Did- and then it, it really when it gets amped up to 11, like they all do. She's like got knives shooting out of her arms and. <laughs> And it's like Did you get the and, one where one hand you're stabbing yourself and with the other hand you're trying to pull the knife out to stab her with it? Uh uh-uh. uh. Because no, it was that's one. one that that was where I got the that was when the it's where all the wet sound uh-huh. uh you know stuff I was talking about. Because you're just stabbing yourself in the chest, uh walking towards her, because one of your your one of the heroes that is still with you wants you to stop and wants you to like give in to her. So what mm-hmm. what the narrative is telling you is that that hero is controlling your like your right hand and is stabbing you, and then another hero in your body is fighting that and trying to pull the knife out to stab her, and you mm-hmm. end up getting in this thing where you're stabbing yourself and stabbing her back and <laughs> forth. And it's horrible. <laughs> and awesome. I, I really like what we're talking about, like gross, like I, this is one of the f- earlier ones that I got. But there's a moment where like if you come at her with a knife and then you try then but then the you, you try not to kill her and then the narrator will like take over your body. Yeah, I got that. And tell, you know, and then he, you know, Stanley went you know, and stabbed the princess, that kind of thing. But then you can resist that. And so you end up just standing there holding the knife and the princess is like, we both know this isn't you. And she'll take the knife away and she'll say, I'll try to make it quick. And then she starts stabbing you, but she's terrible at it. So she has to just keep going. Sorry, sorry. (laughs) Stabbing you again and again and again. And that was pretty funny in and of itself. But then you loop back in and I was like, why did you do that? And she said, I thought I was supposed to. Yeah. It's like, God, it's so funny. Yeah. Um mm-hmm. Yeah, that that's the, you know the, what was the your, one that did sorry, anyone man. else get the beast? That was one of my favorite ones. I did no. not get the beast. No. Okay, so the beast is the, the you get down and how do you get the beast? Um so you you get the beast by uh not taking the knife and then uh, you go down and you tell her you lie to her about going you're about saving her um but then you try to free her and then try and go back upstairs i think and then you end up fighting with her or something like that but um this is one of the ones where there's a few where this happens where she like gnaws through her own arm to free herself yeah, right? i got one of those but yeah. i got the witch and she did that uh-huh and um when you get back in chapter two, she starts to look kind of creepy and cat-like and uh, has claws and teeth and um, stalks you through the basement, which has sort of turned into a jungle. And that scene was fantastic. It had great animation, great art. 
Um, you can't really see the princess. She's like off in the darkness. And then eventually when you do see her, um, she, uh, well, for me, I think there's possible ways you can get out of this, but she saw me and then ate me alive in one bite and talk about wet sounds. You're in her stomach being digested and she's trying to get out of the basement and, um, the um the 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 messed up thing is like this long ass conversation that you have with her from inside of her stomach while i mean talk about the the uh, the creepy hand animation talk about the creepy hand animation while you're being dissolved in acid uh oh god it's that one was intense and uh fantastic <laughs> uh i thought the most intense one that i ran into was the nightmare did you guys run into that one that's Which the one with the, was creepy, that the creepy doll mask. Creepy doll mask. Yes, I did get that one. Yeah, I like that uh, one a lot that one? because so the 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 premise with that one is that like I don't remember exactly what you do to bring that one about, but like you I got the list here. Hang on. You you have to keep her locked away basically. Like you yeah, you like you don't take the blade, you talk to her and you decide to leave her locked up. Yeah. Right. Mm. Um and then, you know, that spins out into a bunch of different stuff, but like the premise there is that like she is a creature so scary that you just die. Um <laughs> so she has this creepy doll mask Damn. on and she'll come after you. That's rough. And, rough and depending on how you uh how you interact with her, like, you know, she'll the, the basement is dark. It's a creepy thing full of like pillars and like darkness and she'll just like come at you out of the dark in very creepy ways and you just get you you get scared to death um <laughs> and then there's a uh pillars are scary yeah and at some point uh one of your inner voices figures out that like it can keep you alive if it just manually tries to work all your organs to keep them from shutting down so like she'll come up to you and start scaring you to death and then one of the one of the inner voices is just like you know heart liver blood uh brain you know just like lists mm. just like could repetitively listing in the background all of your different like you know bro- body processes that it's trying to like keep alive while you're frozen in fear having a conversation with this like horrifying it's doll <laughs> it's yeah. great it's, it was a great horror that, that moment. Was a great moment for uh, for the yeah. audio as well because yeah. it had that that repetition uh those kind of like heart liver lungs whatever yeah um he was like repeating it like chanting kind of in the background as the audio for the entire scene and uh and then like sometimes the other inner voices would like distract him and you would just die (laughs) yeah that's awesome man um yeah so i really like that one there's a lot of really strong ones there's one that's like the like uh step Such on me writing. mommy like uh you know big <laughs> giant woman kind of thing um, there's a couple of those <laughs> yeah there's a couple there's like the tower i mean it's 2023 what do i got to do to get a giant woman in my game you know what i mean yeah, yeah. and and this game just gives it to you mhm uh if you want there is the like you know you can you can work a romantic cutesy ending out of this if you really want one <laughs> um and that's kind of that's fine yeah, everybody uh, gets still one end up having to feed her to yeah. the machine at the end right but or you know the the like the shifting mound at the end so there's no happy endings in this game uh but uh like you know you can do that i i, I think that you know each one of these routes and and its sub routes they're all like 
pretty effective little yeah horror stories and every time i you know got through like you know two versions of of one of these routes i was like i gotta see another one i gotta see the third one it it, it really keeps bringing uh, you back this is a very replayable game i will probably play this at least one more time yeah, yeah i probably would too yeah it's funny like i i've said before that i'm not even i'm not a big horror fan but for some reason, like, I don't know if it's the setup, if it's the light humor with the narrator right out of the gates or the p- potential humorous moments that you guys outlined. But there was something about this game that I never felt like horror while playing, you know, like I was a little def- creeped out by the nightmare. I think the rest well, of it. Yeah, that like, one I was definitely creeped out by some moments. Yeah, um, but like it, it all felt like absurd and dark and weird and things like that but i was more like oh cool he's stabbing himself while trying to stab her you know it's like mm-hmm. just the the in, intrigue of like what is this gonna lead to way overpowered any sense for me personally any sense of like this is scary you know yeah. and i and i think that i i think that's somewhat purposeful with like the whole rap story and and it like you know, perpetuating you trying out things and, and, and sort of incentivizing you to go for weird shit, you know? Um, but like, for a lot, like we've done horror games before. I was like, I don't want to see, I don't want to, I don't care about any of this like weird dark stuff, but in this game, I'm like give it to me. Oh yeah. She sawed her arm off tight. You know, it's, <laughs> I don't know, but it's, it's really successful and yeah, what, what they're going for. And it's, it's like the, the comedy does work. It never it it never felt corny to me at all. Yeah. It's it's great writing. It's just like really yeah. good writing throughout. Um, mm-hmm. It really is. Yeah, and uh, of course, great voice acting and art. Yeah. Just yeah, I mean everything. You know, all works. It, it's yeah, as far as like visual novels go. If you still want to put this in the, in this camp, it's like this feels like a game changer. You know what I mean? Like I we've never played anything that calls itself a visual novel or is in that camp that is like this, like over the top and the mechanics are so smooth and and uh, i don't know it really stands out to me i feel like this is going to be a game that we're going to talk about for a long time i think so too which endings did you guys get i wish i'll tell you my like list in front of me tell me yeah there are there are there are three main endings as far as i understand Mm -hmm. i'm wikiing it anyway but the ending that i got was um you know i i had i had come to really like uh like multi-armed creepy lady um so you know after getting some of the explanations from uh the narrator slash good slash evil wizard um i was like okay you know i've already destroyed the world like a a bunch of times already yeah what's one more um so i decided to do the ending where you kind of fully become the long quiet and the shifting mound and the long quiet um crack open reality and uh step out into infinity to be together forever free from uh having this boring old universe uh weighing them down so cabin in the woods ending just burn it all down and it was a very satisfying ending i liked it very much um which endings did you guys get did you um so the other two possibilities are um either to uh, s- decide to kill the the princess again, um, slay the, sh- the shifting mound, whatever, um, 
or you can um well actually i don't really understand what the other third option represents here i had read that there was a third option where you can reject your godhood and walk away as humans i have not mm. played that ending and yeah. i don't know exactly what's required to get it i got the same ending you did shane i, I think that was sort mm -hmm. of like it seemed like the the natural the, one to me but yeah which ending is the good ending? I'm not sure. Is it the one yeah. where I kill everyone? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think it was so. It felt good to me. <laughs> yeah. Well, I felt like, you know, anything where I got to say fuck you to the narrator was, was like, really my, uh, mm -hmm. my, my choice. Um, yeah, I, high recommendation on this one. I, I'm not, I'm out of things to say about it, but I, yeah. I think uh, folks should definitely check it out. One of our out. longer episodes in quite yeah, a while. It really is. Yeah. So, uh, once again, you can find this game on Steam. It's uh, $17.99 at its MSRP, and I would strongly recommend folks check it yes. out. And um, thanks for listening to this extra long episode of The Short Game.